0: Hi, I'm Joe Lindsay. Welcome to How's the Form, a podcast for men in, let's say, the second half of life, like myself, over 50.
1: How's the Form is brought to you by Age NI and is part of the Good Vibrations Over 50s Men's Health Programme, which is funded by Movember.
0: My guest this week is a motorbike road racer with multiple international podium places, a Grand Prix and three Northwest 200 victories under his belt. After becoming ineligible for mainstream racing almost 10 years ago because of his age, he still continues to ride crazy fast bikes competitively. He's also worked with Hollywood A-lister, Scarlett Johansson. So Jeremy,
2: how's the form? Great, thanks, Joe. Yeah, all good. Good. Good.
0: How's your health? You keeping all right? Very
2: good, yeah, actually. yep, yeah. as good as I've ever been, yeah. Healthier than I've ever been, I feel anyway. I feel mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm fit for anything, yeah. Now, we're going to talk about the various injuries you've had over the years. <laughs> but I want to talk about the most recent one, because I follow you on Instagram. Right. September, you had a shot of your back in the shower. I've never seen bruising like it. I'm, I'm amazed you actually walked in their room today. What happened?
2: I <laughs> uh, just said, you know, it's part and parcel of what happens when you're you're still racing. You know, I'm racing in, it was in Kota which is uh, Texas, you know, and it's a uh, great, great circuit. Love the place, fighting for a championship. Um, um, one point, I think it was one point behind going into the, into that uh, last round, but it's called Super Hooligans with my teammate. And I really needed to beat him on that day to kind of give me a, enough of a, at least got a chance to win the day after. Mm. Unfortunately, in the last corner, flicked, hit the wrong gear in third gear instead of second. Touched it on the way out, high side it, and uh, it just flicked me badly. You know, I I, I got a, a trapped nerve in my back, and a, as you saw, the bruising was pretty yeah. bad. It looked excruciating. Managed to get a couple of small fractures in the tibia as well out of it somehow, and you know the the little meniscus in my knee. So it was it was a bad one. I feel a lot better now, but for about four weeks, I I thought I was
0: never going to get over it. Yeah, you're very blasé with all these injuries. I mean you I mean, you've you've done you've had some, you've had broken ribs you've dislocated your collarbone you've had a variety of injuries over the years but i mean kind of as you get older we don't bounce <laughs> as well do we you know what i
2: mean? See, i don't believe that's true at all i i, I think that you know if if, if you're mentally uh, up for the, the job you know you're going to you're going and you're physically fit enough to do it then you know you can get over anything i raced the next day after that after that injury, you know, we'd, I didn't go to the hospital because I knew if I did, they'd probably say well, you'd better not race. Um, I waited until I got home. and got the MRI scan a full week later, here in Belfast. But I raced the next day and finished second, and that got me the second in the championship. So I think if you're if you're willing to, you know, see through the that that short period of pain, you can you can kind of overcome anything it's 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 down to the person and it's down to how much you want it. It's down you know it's been the same the whole way through my career. If you step off your motorcycle because you're injured, somebody's going to step onto it and take your ride. That's just the way it works. And you know if you don't want somebody stepping in and doing a job at least as good as what you're doing or maybe slightly better yeah. would be the worst thing ever because they'll take your ride. That's, yeah. that's that's just been the way it's been the whole career.
0: So you made it sound like just like competitiveness can sort of overcome all this. I've always believed motorcycle racers are a breed, a unique breed amongst everyone. Because it's like, I mean, it's one of the most dangerous sports in the world. And if you have an injury, I mean, if anybody has even a minor car accident, they have a sort of a, you get a trauma from it. So how do you, I mean, how do you kind of mentally, how have you mentally built yourself up over the years that if you have an injury like that or an accident like that, you can get back on the bike?
2: It it, it is, It's, it's more of a need to get back. You've got to get back on, and, you, you know, you, you prefer to get back on, particularly if you've had a fast crash. You're better to get on the bike as soon as possible and, you know, repeat what you're doing without crashing this time because mm. that way it won't affect you, you know. If you if you leave it or you take a, a month or two off, trying to get back to it would be much, much more difficult. Um, plus, the difference is that when you're in sport, you know, you, you don't get time off. You don't get sick leave. You don't get a couple of months to recuperate, mm. unless you broke a, a femur or something, which I'd, I'd done, and that took me. Probably, I got out of Chris. I got out of the Royal on Christmas Eve because I wanted to be home for Christmas with the boys and stuff, and I was back testing in Doha and Qatar uh on the second of february or something like that you know f- about four or five weeks after breaking having my femur repaired again for the second time they, when they did it in spain they did it wrong came back here they picked it up here at the royal and said no, i'm gonna have to do it all again i said like i don't want to spend christmas in ho- in, in hospital and they, they did it and had me in and out in a day which is incredible for a wow you know to have a, a femoral rod put in um but we have you know the, the best the, 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 certainly the Royals. roles i rate read it as one of the best in the world and that's it's just a matter of of having to get back at it because you need to and and that's where that's that's how you you know you earn your wage you know you mm. you're not not earn anything sitting at home waiting to recover and you'll probably lose your ride and somebody else will fill in whilst you're doing that and you know possibly take your ride so it's been a more of a um uh a requirement to get back on the bike and get back on as quickly as you can and, and just get on with it.
0: Would you say this is an obsession?
2: No, I'm, I'm certainly obsessed with with the... There
0: seems to be any, any, any proof I've ever read about any, anyone that races motorcycles, that seems to be prevalent in their life. Everything else kind of comes second to it.
2: I think the obsessive part of it is when you're doing really well and achieving things that you probably never would have expected to achieve in your life, you know, standing on podiums at world level or winning a race at Northwest 200, which I never thought I'd ever get the chance to do, and then I win three of them or something, you know, and, and, and stood on the podium, you know, six times or whatever it is, I can't even remember. Um, the, For that sort of the, the history side, but I don't really, I don't count up how many times you do that and do that, It's just like standing on the podium there or, or winning at Daytona. A couple of years ago, when I when I won, and actually it was twenty twenty two, when I won at Daytona uh, on the baggers and that and that, that that new class again, things like that. I think you're obsessed with trying to repeat those incredible experiences. Not a, not obsessed about about you know just for racing for the for the fact of racing. I, 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 racing is a is a, a means to an end, and it it. it it obviously keeps a roof over her head, but it also, all of those amazing experiences that come with it, are the reason why racers and like myself and all the guys from here all want to get back on the bike.
0: What do you want to take on board, right? Now, I'm six, you look, you look great on it, right? You're nearly 60. Yeah. Um, and you're still racing motorcycles at, what, 180 miles an hour?
2: Yeah, at least, you know, this I'd say, you know, if, if you jump on a stock bike at the Northwest 200, you know, which there's a very good chance I'll do again yeah. in twenty twenty four. You'll you'll be sitting at two hundred miles an hour on it. But it's it's nothing to do with the speed of it. That that that's completely I know it sounds a, a bit. To the maze-y. layperson? person, yeah. But yeah but is- <laughs> to, to us it's like, you know, you're not even thinking what speed is this. Mm-hmm. It's only afterwards and somebody says, Oh yeah, you went through the speed trap at two hundred and four miles an hour, whatever it might be. You go, Oh really? Okay, well cheers for that. There's it's not there's nothing really it's it's really to do with how you know, how successful you are in the race or qualifying or whatever it might be, the speed's got nothing to do with it. It's just, uh, it, it doesn't look any different. Like mm. speeds of 160 doesn't, doesn't look any different than a 200. It's, it's
0: See, you're saying this as a professional. To me, it's like that just sounds insane to me. Not in a bad way. It's like to travel at 160 miles an hour with just this engine, two wheels, that's incredible. Like that is an unbelievable feat. You I know, mean, I know you're kind of because you've been doing this for so long, and I, like, all, like, that's why I'm saying you're a different breed of human being. Motorcycles are a different breed of human being. Uh,
2: uh, maybe in some in some ways, but it's the same, you know, as as a driver, you know, a Form One driver, or a you know, or a, a rally driver like Chris Meek or whatever. Too, you know, so what 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 they can achieve yeah. on four wheels is something that I couldn't do, you know, or you couldn't do, yeah. and what i do you know they couldn't do so it's 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 just horses for courses and i think if you've done it for so long it it becomes just second nature yeah it's a bit like honestly it's, it's like going to work it's like you coming in here to work and doing it exactly as you do it right now every single day we're just doing the same thing yeah we're just repeat come in and make sure you're on top of your game making no mistakes um there's no gamble in, in this. It's all calculated. You know, what we do on the track or on the road is it's it's all calculated very, very perfectly. Yeah. You know, you can ride at those speeds in the wet and we do. You know, when when the place is absolutely still, soaking wet up there you still do the same there's thing. There's still a high
0: level of danger here.
2: There's there's obviously a level of danger with everything though. Yeah. So I and I can't say that there's one thing or the other that uh it, it you know of course anything can go wrong but it can go wrong every day walking across the street once the flag drops everything's dead simple from there it's it, it's all it's almost like it's in slow motion it's and you know you've got time when you're sitting at 160 or 170 miles an hour to look at each other to look at your opponents but you know as you're heading out to university which we do often trying to weigh each other up and you know there's there's all of that time on the motorcycle at that speed to do that uh, and you uh, you never feel like, you know, you're risking anything by, by doing that. It's just a it's, it's just a natural reaction to the, the situation at the time, you know, and you know you're going to get passed two or three times in the way out there and you're going to have to pass back again. It's about trying to set yourself up in the right position and at the right place before you turn up towards the roundabout, for instance, at the Northwest, or same at Daytona, coming onto the banking at Daytona up near the wall, making sure you're high, making sure you get the, the drive down so you've got the draft to, to pass at the line. It's all... You're, you're continually using your race brain hmm. to to calculate the situation, which I, I guess maybe that's part of what's um, obsessive for me too, about, yeah. about being clever at that.
0: Where did this start for you? How did you get into this?
2: We went racing Irish Championship, won the Irish Championship, and Robert encouraged me to go to England and ride a bit more over there in the British Championship because it's a higher level again. Winning a couple of races over there quite quickly led on to why don't you try a European race? Did a couple of European races and all the time this was going on, you know, I was getting watched by other guys in the background, one being Joe Miller from Randallstown, mm. who young Miller Transport, who had a Grand Prix team. He phoned me one day, you know, this is two years after being with Queen's University and said, uh, would you come and race for me at World Championship uh, on a 500 Yamaha, which I'd never ridden before. You know, jumped into that and completely out of my depth. Absolutely, you know, useless at it. <laughs> Even though you do, you know, and and you do, you do believe that you're when you're winning over here that you know you're 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 definitely the best. Things in sliced bread, you know, you you know you go anywhere and you could ride at any level. Of course, going to World Championship and jumping on a 500 was a different thing altogether. Like and I I struggled for the first year and then came back in the second year. I came back a lot, a, a different person, different mindset, much fitter um and and carried on i remember you know at the time after the first year saying this is not for me this is this is like i'm i'm useless at this i'm out of my depth Mm. you know and and even having the conversation at home saying you know there's a good chance i'll not come back from this it it is that hard and it's that dangerous and but i'd made my my bed and you know i kind of had to lie on it so back out again the next year and then i had a decent year finishing a lot quite a few top tens which is a big thing at world championship yeah, yeah. and then we did four years on the 500 and then moved to 250 and started you know finished sixth in the world championship cut some podiums this is on machinery still supported by the way with queen's university they, yeah. they followed me through this career and and, and helped along with a, an american uh, sponsor optimum um technology and they basically are optimum power technology they they came along and supported that whole drive when we went back to 250 and the jumping from the 500 back on to 250 kind of really kind of started the career you know really got the career up and going uh if it stayed on the 500 you know as a privateer and not finishing in the top 15 it might have you know i wouldn't have been racing for as long as i've raced now so you know, so big thanks to all those sponsors back in, in those days mm-hmm. that, that have supported and and that got me on that uh, that ladder to success. And then Aprilia picked me up, the Factory picked me up, and you know we we had a couple of ups and downs years again. And uh, Kenny Roberts wrote for Kenny, you know, the King Kenny Roberts from mm-hmm. America. So there's there's been a lot of um, the the career in in world championships is, is was was kind of up and down, but we had some really decent years. And that led on to everything that came afterwards, right? Racing in America, back in British Championship again. um, You know, even getting an invite to come and race at my age in America was all because of those those decent years, those good Mm -hmm. years in in world level. So you're just trying to you're building up this portfolio as you go through life, like you would in any job, and and you know you get a name for. He, he, he's a great uh, test writer. He gets you know good feedback, and, and manufacturers or teams look for that as well. Yeah, and that's kind of where you know how I've managed to, I guess, keep going as long as I've yeah. going and still racing at the moment.
0: Let's take a short break there and head over to the doctor's surgery for a reminder about some ways we can be a little bit
3: healthier. I'm Dr. Alan Stout, and I'm a GP. If I can share one thing, it's this. I see far too many men coming in too late. If men would just get checked out by a doctor a bit sooner, I know for sure that lives could be saved and men's health improved. So I'm going to share some of the things men should look out for and why they matter and most importantly, what to do about them. Today, let's talk about diabetes. You've probably heard of it, but you might not know what it is, how to spot it or how to prevent it. Firstly, diabetes causes a person's blood sugar to become too high. When too much blood sugar stays in your bloodstream, over time this can cause serious health problems like heart disease, vision loss, kidney disease and circulation issues which affect, for example, the feet which can eventually lead to amputation. So what are the signs of diabetes? These will include things like feeling very thirsty, peeing more frequently than usual, particularly at night, feeling very tired, weight loss and a loss of muscle bulk, itching around the penis, cuts or wounds that heal slowly, and blurred vision. Diabetes needs to be diagnosed as early as possible because it's likely to get worse if it's left untreated. If this sounds like you, act fast and please see your GP. You may have heard of type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Type 1 is genetic, type 2 on the other hand can be very preventable. The risk of developing type 2 diabetes increases as you get older, so the earlier you start on prevention, the better. The main things you can do to lower your chance of developing type 2 diabetes are to eat more healthily and to keep a healthy weight and to move and exercise more. Moving more doesn't mean you have to go to the gym. Aim to walk quickly or do something that will get you a little bit out of breath for about 30 minutes or so on at least five days of the week. If you're short of time, do it in three 10 minute slots. Break up long spells of sitting at a desk or lounging watching TV by stretching or moving more often. And with minimal effort, most of us can manage to walk more and sit less. Stopping smoking and sticking to government guidance from alcohol units can also help you reduce your type two diabetic risk. Many serious conditions are preventable and with early detection, many are treatable. If you're in doubt, please make an appointment with your GP and get it checked out.
1: HNI's Good Vibrations programme is for men over 50. If you or someone you know could use some advice or support on health, well-being or mental health, there's lots more information online at hni.org forward slash iConnect. That's letter I-C-O-N-N-E-C-T. Or visit hni.org forward slash good vibrations to sign up for monthly emails with expert tips and information. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. The HNI Good Vibrations team are here with help and support.
0: You seem to be quite a maverick within the sport. You know, 2014, you were told you couldn't race because you were, you were hitting 50, and you refused to, to sort of to <laughs> take true. that. So, you, And you always seem to have this kind of maverick spirit through it. You kind of trust your own instinct. You trust your own belief in this. When that happened, I mean, how did you feel when you were told you're too old to do this?
2: We've got very good at... At maintaining levels yeah. of fitness, you know, where, where where many years ago that wasn't the case.
0: The physical toll it has on you, I mean, you, you, physically, your body would react very differently to a lot of other sportsmen. For example, like, what is your heart rate like when you're racing? It does get up there.
2: Um, right. my, my my resting heart rate is not particularly low. Not not like super low, like a super athlete. I'm no no super athlete. Don't claim to be. But the I, I know that I I can peak and I still peak. You know this this age. Thing minus whatever it is to, to work your heart rate out it doesn't work. You know, definitely doesn't work for me because my um, I peak at 195 or something, 196. So we're we're when we're yeah. doing that run over the KF or whatever, you know, at some point, you know, you're going to get into the 190s, 195. Yeah. Uh, when you're racing, it's averaging about 170. Right. So it goes up. At, you know, it, it'll be at 140 at some point, but it'll go into 100, and maybe 75, 180. So maybe average or 165 to 170 over the race. A funny story: I was racing the Northwest 200 way back in must have been 16, possibly, and the BBC decided to to do it, uh, take three athletes and put. Uh, heart rate monitors on them and check them, yeah. and then record it, record the data, and have a look at it. You know, a doctor looked at it afterward, and I think during that race was 170 average, wow. but it was a wet race, so it shouldn't have been that high. But I think your heart rate elevates because there's more, maybe oh. it, it, you, you, it's certain you're a little bit more on edge when it's a wet race, mm-hmm. so your heart is probably a little, a little bit higher, and then uh, a young rider was dancing with me the whole way and subsequently crashed in front of me at black hill and as he went down i you know i kind of knew he was going to go down because he was in the wrong line yeah. and you know I, you got to use a, a lot more lean angle if you don't come into black hill on the right line he came up the inside of me and as he came up the inside of me he has to use more lean angle wash the front and then my heart rate spiked but you know you don't know at the time you don't realize yeah. it came back in and uh, i won the race came back in I took the all the way analysed it and said you know that you spiked at 125 sorry 225 jeez so I didn't realise that that was a yeah. thing you know that that instant fear or whatever happens you know that oh he's going to take me down too yeah because that's what obviously what's going through your head and spiked at two, 225 or whatever so you see this lovely average heart rate and then this big yeah. spike where, where, where it flies through the roof um and uh, so, so that's that's So I didn't realize that that's, that that's a thing. But yeah, you you can you can spike when you get a real fright. You can really really spike. Yeah, so so not freak you out? It did a wee bit at the time. I because you know you think oh, the highest I've ever seen. I thought I had a high heart rate, of 190 whatever it is, mid one nineties. And uh, all of a sudden you, you see something that's thirty higher than that again. You think, oh my goodness, that surely that's got to be bad for you. And uh, <laughs> more than somewhat, I say. Yeah. But they, I think they just said, no, it's that that, that is that's a, that's a thing. It's a normal thing. You know, you just had a, a a real fright at the time.
0: Wow. Do you still find it as easy to maintain your fitness? No, you
2: it's not. It's never easy. And it's never much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you've got to you've got to go out and make yourself, you know, get get stuck in. I train with uh, Alice Seeley right, most successful Northwest racer. Yeah. You know, and he's also he's in his mid, you know, forties, and and so. The two of us are very good for each other because we motivate each other a lot. Yeah. You we know, were out riding trials bikes all day yesterday You know, right. for quite a few hours, and it was hard work in that weather. But that's the sort of thing. Now we'll be back in the gym. You know, we we'll go to circuits. We'll go to circuits three or four times a week. We'll go and run over the cave hill. He said, why do you run the cave hill? I said, because if you run it without stopping, so if you park at Belfast Castle and you can run up over that hill, at my age, I think you could probably do most anything without yeah. stopping. So you've got a the idea is that you park the car and you run right over the very, very tall of it. Come back down again and do it again, maybe. Flapping it. And you do it twice. Yeah, I've done it twice. The last time I did it was Alistair, we did it We did it once the last time we did it, and he's now going right when are we doing this again, when we're we doing this again. So it's a it's a brilliant um mental uh, you know uh, I, I, however you want to call it but it's uh, you're preparing yourself mentally to, to, to be able to do anything so if we le- leave the gym you know I, I, some days I leave the gym and then go to the cave hill and then run it and then go home and uh I think if you can do that at my age, there's no reason why you, can't, why you can't go and ride a motorbike, you know. Yeah, but that is
0: an astonishing level of fitness. I think for any age it's just an astonishing level of fitness. You also appeared in one of the, the, the greatest British horror films of all time, <laughs> Under the Skin. That's how did it. how did that come about? I mean, you're in like one of the most astonishing sequences I think ever put on film as well. So I mean but how did this actually happen that you, you appeared in the movie? I,
2: I thought it was a wind-up to begin with, when I had a phone call from the director or from the casting director. And she said, um We've been watching you closely, and the the director <clears throat> would like you to be part of this this movie that he's creating, the sci-fi horror. And I said, "Yeah, really?" And you know, looking around, going, "Where's Where's this going?" You know, and, and she said, "It was Jonathan Glazer." and I just, I, I kind of thought it was one of my mates winding me up, and uh, I said, "So who's in the movie?" And she says, "Well, it's a Scarlett Johansson." <laughs> and I really thought that somebody was winding me up. Yeah. And, I, and this went on for a bit, you know, talking to the, to the to the casting director, and she said, "Look, I'll get Jonathan to to Skype call you." And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm sure this is going to be, you know, one of my one of my mates on Skype. And of course, it was Jonathan Glazer. And then he said. Uh, we think you're the right person for the job, and I thought, well, what is the right person for the job? What are you looking for? Why, why are you calling me? He said, you have a, let's just say, you have a look that would fit the part, Um and you know, I guess he he, he wasn't talking about my very good looks. <laughs> I think well, you're 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 a dashing
0: looking man. <laughs> i got to say,
2: you know, he probably talking more about uh, you know. <laughs> I said, so what's the, What what's the character? He said, well, it's a bad guy. I said, oh right, okay. So something yeah. that doesn't that doesn't actually look, you know, not a, not a pretty boy for for the, the job. And he said, look, if you've got a, a look, and then we think that you can do the job because we we know what you can do on a motorcycle. And there's a lot of fast scenes on motorcycles, you know? and I'm, I still think there's a wind up, by the way. And he and he goes. Uh,
0: get... so much like Jonathan Glazer would do
2: that with me. I just, just No, would you? For a while, no. And he said, "Now, can you put a pair of leathers on and walk up and down the the living room for me?" And at that point, I'm I'm, I'm laughing. I'm going, "Yeah, right." <laughs> yeah. And he he said, "Look, you don't need to do it now." He said, "Get get your missus or somebody to record it on a phone and send it to me." So I get dressed in my leathers and I'm walking up and down. Uh, we've got an open kitchen in the in the living room quite a big room and Jill's videoing it I feel like a, a an absolute idiot and of course the next thing my best mate walks through the back door and starts laughing and I think ah oh, that's it that was I wind up he goes what are you doing walking up and down your house with leathers on and I said was, was it you put? did you put him up to this and he goes what are you talking about so it was it, it, it actually was it was real so I ended up agreeing to do it and uh, we spent like forty days or whatever in the Highlands of Scotland, to mm. and from. Some days in the studio in, in London, but it was quite a harrowing experience. You know, wasn't a lot of fun doing it in the middle of winter. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's parts of it that are fun. You know, when you get the scene right, when you've when you've got it, and you know it's you've got it, and everybody goes yes. Yeah. That that's it. Of course, you get there's a there's a level of of uh, enjoyment out of that, you know, and you get okay that, that that worked well. Oh, I'm glad that that's perfect. But some of the other scenes, and you've watched the movie, yes, you know, some I love of it, it. Some of it is, uh, you know, the kid on the beach and stuff, yes. where I've just got to walk past and yeah. ignore it, and you know the the scene at the end when where they're burning Scarlet, you know, that's yeah. some of the stuff was like. Blazer's
0: like you know for your first foray into. into- being in a movie, Jonathan Glazer is not the most conventional film director in the world.
2: No, he's not. And you know, he would—he would, he would not—he wouldn't tell us what we're going to do. Right. Say, right, you're going to attack him, but we're not going to tell him. So the element of surprise, and you know, they do the same thing on me. Or you, you, you never knew what you're going to turn up to on the day of of shooting. It was just like, okay, what we're we doing today. Now he'll tell you when you get there, when you're mm-hmm. about to do it, or he might he might not even. Okay, just go from there to there. I remember doing some scenes, you know, with a at a stunt double with me all, the whole time, and thinking, why, have you got a, why do I need a stunt double? Yeah. yeah, that seems weird. You know, and and in the end, they they, they actually didn't need him. I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to crash. And by the way, you know, what I'm doing, I can't do the stunts that he does, and he can't do the stuff that I do, so it doesn't mm. really work. And it, in the end, we had to get somebody else who was faster to do the camera work, and we brought a friend of mine from Scotland to do the very fast bike to bike scenes in the pouring rain mm-hmm. in, the, in the middle of that the rain. That was an astonishing sequence, yeah. though. Uh, yeah, and Amazing that, sequence. that was a fun see- scene, I think, to do. Yeah. B- b- a bit, you know, it was a bit sketchy. It was pouring, mm-hmm. we were in, it's four o'clock in the morning and we're blasting up the motorway at 170 miles an hour, you know, bike to bike, yeah. you know, avoiding the traffic. And that was, uh, it, it was quite a funny one to do. And See,
0: again, you're making this sound easy. The rest was just
2: <laughs> yeah. To me, that's just <laughs> the maddest
0: thing ever.
2: That, that's just bread and butter, you know. That, that that's that, that's a Get pretty easy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it, was a, it was an easy enough scene to, to do because we knew exactly what we had to do and how many minutes we had to do it in. Mm. So just write as fast as you can in, in the time frame you've got before the camera runs out of battery life. That was that was it. But it, it was certainly it was an experience that I am glad I did. But would I do it again? I probably wouldn't because mm. I take myself away from so many other things. That you know, I've got so many other things going on in life. You know, I've got marketing with KTM where we're launching the bikes that I work on, which is lovely. So you get to see, you know, the fruit of your labors being launched to the world's press. Everybody riding it, getting off it, and thinking, "Wow, we love this. Mm-hmm. Love your new ideas." On we've got wheelie control and other sorts of things that we're that we're um, that we've brought to one of our new models. And you know, even what we we're doing last week with Bridgestone tires again, lovely. Just a really, really good. Five days on track with theaters and with uh, world's press coming to to see the new tire. You know, there's a, there's a lot of enjoyment out of that stuff, and you know, I I wouldn't want to take myself away from all that again mm. because you've got to you know take three months off all of that to go and do this uh you know a movie because it's it doesn't just run day to days. You know, you you clear off and you're on standby for a week, and then you bring the come back again. Oh no, it's not good enough. The light's not good enough this morning. Uh, we'll just wait until tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going what? Just wait, like just wait. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just wait. And they come the next day, and they're going, no, it's not quite right yet. No, wait another day. Going <laughs> right. I. Uh, that's that. I think that side of it uh, as an actor, I'm sure they, it must be very, very difficult. You know, we spent more time sitting in the pub in, in the Highlands sipping whiskey with Scarlett Johansson, because it was not. a wrong. tough day. <laughs> it was all right.
0: A, a, a harrowing, I would imagine. But, yeah, know, which a, a, a lovely,
2: lovely down to earth person. Yeah, you know, and and as soon as everything was over and done, it was just going like, okay, who's for the bar? Say the bar, such and such a time at all. Turn right. up and have a laugh. And but you might have been snowed in. Like yeah. I remember getting snowed in. We were snowed in there for three or four days, and not able to do anything. You know, you're you're there with a motorbike. Yeah, a motorbike and snow doesn't really mix. No, but you know, Jonathan Glazer would make me ride it. I remember we had to put we had put tie wraps around the tire around the wheel so that I could ride the motorbike in the snow so that he could get the scene. I remember thinking, this is nuts. This, this is you're, nuts. You're
0: still a very, very busy man. Do, do you think, like, kind of keeping busy is the key to sort of staying young and staying sharp and all that? I think, yeah, you've got a, uh, if you if you've got a
2: mind of a, a twenty-nine-year-old like I have, rather than a fifty-nine-year-old, then of course it, it's easier. If I think if you succumb to it, if you if you think God, I'm getting near, I'm getting near retirement age here, then, then of course you know you're going to start thinking. Well, let's start slowing down. Mm. Um, as you remind me, I'm getting near retirement age.
0: <laughs> well, look, so I, I, so I find it amazing. You, you don't strike me as someone who would even think of the phrase retirement. Age. I can't imagine you retired.
2: But and like I know a lot of. People who are in their well in their sixties and and early seventies that that don't want to start working. You know, why would they? Because yeah. it's where they get their their kicks from. You know that whatever it is they do, they're enjoying it. If you love your work, then carry on. If you don't love your work, then you know don't don't do it. But or go and do something else or retire. But uh, you know the guys that I'm talking about, people who i have had this conversation with, what are you going to do? Well, I'm you know, I'm just going to keep. Just gonna keep working, and you know, until the drop. You know that, that that's the kind of attitude they have, mm-hmm. and some of them have had had done that. You know, but I, there's you know sitting at home, uh, reading a book, or you know looking out the window doesn't do an awful lot for me. I'm always looking for the next right. Where are we off to next? And then, then that that kind of adrenaline rush starts, and that buzz starts, and you're you know you're you're on your way to go and do something else again, which is is kind of what you know, I would miss you know, what what's what it's what's motivating me at the minute to keep to keep on top of things that I can keep doing that. So mm. I hope they'll be doing it for quite a while, you know, to come yet, but you know, who knows? Who knows what's around the corner. Does
0: like stress come into play with you? I mean, after like a after a race or even after a season, you must have to kind of decompress a little bit.
2: I think uh, that was more so during you know, the MotoGP G P years, you know, and I'm sure like you know Jonathan read them and he's going through it too you know lo- lovely to wind down at the end you can see you can already hear them taking a, a sigh of relief when the, when the season's over it was the same with us because we did like four flyaways at the very end of the year you'd have been in Japan you know Brazil Argentina uh, Australia you know it, it would have all and, and you'd have had to combine all those at the end so at the very end of a season when you were ready you know maybe carrying a couple of you know injuries or whatever and then you've got to do this this back-to-back thing as soon as that was over it was like thank god that's over with now it's it's hard hard work yeah Yeah. and it's it's very very hard to um when you're out there if you've had a particularly like one or two bad events it's hard to get through the whole four events one after the other if if it hasn't started well so mentally it's a bit of a torture and then when it's over yeah you do you, you you let your hair down, you you go out and have a party and mm. you know, and do do the, the normal things that you would do and, and then quite quickly you might might have three weeks or four weeks off and you gotta start thinking about the next season again. This
0: is a life of absolute dedication. This is this is vocational almost. It's bound to have an impact on your home life and social life and all that. It it does a little bit, but I think you can
2: catch up with that very quickly. You know, as soon right. as you come home, you're home for a week, you're thinking, okay, uh let's let's go and do something. Let's go down to the christmas market let's let's go out for a bite to eat yeah. um let's catch up with friends and let's let, let's get on the trial spikes like it you know we, we would do every weekend when i'm home yeah. go and compete at a trial at, a, at an irish event you know some somewhere uh in, in a wet mountain somewhere which is hard work but that that that's that social side of it's lovely you of course when you're away you're so busy you know you're not missing any of that but when you come home it's nice to catch up with it of course um sometimes you're only home for a week and off you go again but i i I do have just a small group of friends that we we always get together and we always make a point of getting together and you know going having a few beers and and and, you know maybe food in their house or or my house or whatever it might be or or going out together somewhere but you know I, i there's there's plenty of time to to do all that whenever everything else is stopped. Yeah. I think there's, you know, they're they're all busy enough too. I'm going to miss the racing if it if it doesn't come back mm. in in the states, but I can always get my kick at the Northwest 200. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine you ever stopping, but what I can't imagine is you can do anything you put your mind to.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I think yeah. anybody can. I think anybody can and should believe in it and should. At least aspire to always be trying to do something better or something new, and mm. take it on. I think that's the the difference. You know, some through my career it has been difficult to have the self belief that yeah, I can go and do that. For not not difficult. It's the step where you've got to right. I love. I can do that. And believe in yourself and believe that you can go and do it. Mm. You know, it'd be easier to say no, no. I'll leave. I'll leave that out. But uh, always believe you're going to do it. You can do it. Have a go at
0: For sure. Jeremy, thanks for talking to me. No worries. Pleasure to meet you. You're welcome. Thank you. Before we finish off today, let's take a minute or two to pause with Owen O'Kane, who has some great advice on how we can be kind to our mind.
4: My name is Owen O'Kane. I'm a psychotherapist, Sunday Times bestselling author and former NHS lead for mental health. And today I'm going to be talking about the importance of exercise and mental well-being. Now, before you switch off, I encourage you to stay with me for a minute because I appreciate there's a lot of stuff out there telling us what we should be doing and that can feel a bit preachy. I understand that. But when it comes to mental well-being, exercise is crucially important because what we know is even five minutes a day can make an incredible difference. And here's why. When you exercise, you change the chemistry of your brain. You know, you increase more endorphins and more encephalins and these are the chemicals that make us feel better. It improves our mood and it reduces anxiety levels, so there is enormous benefits for exercising, even for a few minutes a day. So if you're not doing any exercise, I'd really encourage you to stop and consider, even if it's just starting with a walk around the block to get started, because it will improve your mental well-being. But apart from the chemical changes, we also know that getting out in and about can actually help you change perspective. It's very very easy to stay on the normal treadmill of everyday life and get caught up with worries and concerns. But we know that when you step out and do some exercise that you can change perspective. And even if you get outdoors for a while every day for a short walk, we also know that being around nature and trees and being out in the fresh air, not only can it reduce your blood pressure, but again, it can improve your mental state. So if you're not doing anything, or you're stuck at home and things feel a bit difficult, I'd really encourage you today to consider getting out and about. Start with five minutes, build it up. It will make an enormous difference to your life. So go get those trainers and get out and about.
1: I are the local experts on later life. If you or someone you know is struggling to navigate the challenges of life after 50, and need information or advice on benefit entitlements, housing, or care for a loved one, call the NI advice line in confidence 9 to 5, Monday to Friday on 0808 808 75 75.
0: That's it for this episode of How's the Form. Hope you'll join us next time.
1: How's the Form is brought to you by NI and is part of the Good Vibrations Over 50s Men's Health Programme, which is funded by Movember.